we're going to open up our Bibles to Proverbs. Uh, we're in a series through the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs chapter 22 is specifically where we're going to be today, verse 6 of that chapter. Um, if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to, to turn to that. Um, if you have a device, you can open up the YouVersion app, and we have notes available on there. Um, so if you go in YouVersion and you hit the More tab, um, you can search for uh, Events and Mission Way Church, and you'll find us there. Um, and everything that you see on the screen, all the references, everything will be right on there for you to follow along if you'd like that resource. Today, we're going to dive into the topic of parenting. Um, now, let me say right off the bat, even if you are in here and you are not a parent, or maybe um, you feel like you are, your kids are out of the house and you're not necessarily in that phase of life in the daily grind of parenting, uh, this is for you as well, because a lot of what we're going to talk about has to do with discipleship. A lot of what we're going to talk about, even if you are not a parent, you are a member of the body of Christ where there are parents in this room that absolutely need your encouragement and your prayers every single day. Um, so you can be praying for them and you can encourage them in that way. Um, but Proverbs 22, chapter 6, like I said, is where we'll be. We'll read that in just a moment. But I think all of us as parents have moments of confusion. We have moments of uh, desperation as parents. Um, I think all of us at one point or another, if we're honest, will admit that we wish there was just like one book that I could read and I get all the answers. I know everything that I need to know now to parent my kids. But we all know that that book doesn't necessarily exist, except for the fact that we're told in Scripture that everything we need for life and godliness is given to us through the Word of God. So we do have a book to help us in the journey of parenting. It's called the Bible. Now, the Bible does not address bedtime routines and temper tantrums and teenage drama. I get that, okay? But the Bible gives us everything we need to parent our kids in the way that Christ wants us to. And he's given us wisdom to uh, discern in the midst of uh, all of the hard stages of parenting because every single stage has its challenges. I'm very early on in my journey, but all of you have made me very well aware that every stage of parenting has its challenges. And I know that. And there's times when we feel helpless, and so the Bible may not address those daily routines. It may not address what school to take your kid to, but the Bible absolutely gives us what we need. As Alistair Begg said, by nature, we love our children dearly, but we need the scriptures to love them wisely. All of us as parents, we love our children. That is in us as image bearers of God that we love our children. Nobody had to tell me to love my daughter when she came along. That was in, that was in me. That was natural. That was something that you just do. But to love them wisely and the way that God intends for us to love them, we need the scriptures. Now, I'll say this too. Non-Christian parents can be good parents by, by, by standards that we often use. I'm not saying that if you don't read the Bible, you're just gonna raise terrible kids all the time. But we've been given an objective as parents that those who do not believe in Jesus cannot reach. And that's to raise our children to know and love Jesus. Our primary objective as parents is not necessarily to make them model citizens of society. That's important and that's a good thing, but our primary objective as believers is to point them to Christ. I read an article um, which there was this mom who described her parenting as the custodian of her kids. Um, she just views herself as somebody who, uh, she wants to watch what her kids want to do and then guide them in the path that they want to go. And that is not the approach of parenting that God has given us. Sadly, that is the approach that many parents do think we're called to take, is just find out where my kids wanna go and help them get there. I'm not necessarily talking about 
things that they want to do, whether it's sports or schools or career paths, yes, encourage them in that, help them get towards those things. But as we'll see today, there is a danger in viewing ourselves as simply uh, guiding our kids through life according to the way they want to go. That's not our role that we've been given in Scripture. We certainly don't apply that to everything else in life. We don't, when we're dealing with potty training or table manners or respect for other adults, we don't look at our three-year-old and say, whatever you want to do, because we'll end up with teenagers who are not potty trained, who have no social skills, who sleep all day because they don't know how to sleep at night. And I understand I might be describing your teenager right now, but just stick with me. We're gonna end up with kids who don't understand what it means to be members of society, but more importantly, we're gonna end up with children who don't know what it means to follow Jesus if we view ourselves as simply the custodian in their lives, guiding them in the way that they want to go. I'm gonna go to a verse this morning that you've likely heard before, but you've either decided that it's not true because it just simply can't be true because it doesn't seem like it is on the surface, or you might just think, I don't fully understand what it's saying, and so you disregard it because you don't think it's helpful. And it's this, Proverbs 22, six says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, I have often in my life read this verse as very simply saying, raise your kids in the way that you want them to go, and as they're older, they will keep those principles with them as they go. And I'm not saying that that's, that's a, a bad interpretation of what's going on here, but I don't think that's quite what Solomon's getting at. This, is, this verse is not necessarily first an encouragement. I think it's actually first a warning. I think the Legacy Standard Bible actually translates this more correctly from the Hebrew. Legacy Standard Bible says, train up a child according to his way. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That phrase, according to his way, is very important. Because here's what I don't think Solomon is saying. I don't think Solomon is saying, do this, parent your children well, and then they will be good kids. I don't think that's necessarily what's going on here. I think it's a warning. I think Solomon's saying, let your kids go on the path that they want to take without your guidance, without your parenting and discipline, and you're gonna end up with exactly what you asked for. You're gonna end up with children who are following after their own way. And Proverbs tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads in destruction. J.H. Greenstone summarizes this verse this way. Train a child according to his evil inclinations. In other words, let him have his will and he'll continue in his evil way throughout life. I think this is first and foremost a warning to say if you do not take your responsibility and role as a parent seriously, your children will not know the way that they are to walk in righteousness and holiness. So if we take it as a warning, we're gonna also, we're not, we're not just gonna learn what not to do, I think we are going to learn what to do from this verse. My, my intention this morning is not just simply to warn us as parents to say, let them have their way, and that's what you're gonna end up with. My hope this morning is to say, if that warning is true, then what do we do as parents? Because Proverbs 19:18 says, discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. There's hope. This, not, this, this journey of parenting may feel hopeless at times. I have often felt like a failure. I have often felt like I have no idea what I'm doing, and I think I'll feel that way for most of my journey as a parent. But there is hope, because the Bible has given us instructions on how to be godly and faithful parents. So we'll take this warning, and we'll look at what we should be doing as parents. Number one, train them. This, my, my points, by the way, are not necessarily gonna be very just profound and insightful. I wanna take some simple statements, and I wanna look at what it means. What does it mean to train our children? It has to be intentional. 
That's the first thing I want us to see. As parents, we don't raise our children simply by letting life happen. And I think most of us know that. But sometimes we do take an approach with our kids of just kind of waiting and seeing what's gonna happen here. How are they gonna respond? How are they gonna handle this situation? And there can be appropriate times for that, but as parents, we are called to train them. They will not know the way that they should go apart from our guidance. Here's another point I wanna bring to bear on this. In in thinking about training our children, if I could put it as bluntly as possible, I would say this, stop outsourcing your parenting. Here's what I mean by that. We have many beautiful opportunities in our society, whether it's babysitting or daycare or public school, or we have kids' church here where our kids get to go in an environment where they get the Bible given to them and age-appropriate material. We have all of these things that are good things. But if that's what you are relying on to disciple your kids, you are not taking your role as parent in the way that you should. We are not called to outsource our parenting. We can have good things and tools that are useful to help us as parents but they are simply meant to be tools that we use. They are not meant to be our primary source of raising our kids. Bodhi Bauckham is uh, a great resource, by the way, on parenting. Um, and one of the questions that he asks, which is really an uncomfortable question, and I'm not necessarily, don't, don't necessarily take this question as me trying to imply something at, at first glance. I want to explain it. But he asks the question, what would happen if we had no Sunday school programs or kids programs or youth groups, what, what would happen if none of that was available to us? What would happen if there was nobody else who was actually taking on the role and responsibility of training our kids, teaching them scriptures, pointing them towards Christ? Would our children actually know what it means to know and love Jesus? Because of our influence as parents, because of how we are training them to go. He puts it bluntly, Bodhi Bauckham does. We cannot continue to send our children to Caesar for their education and be surprised when they come home as Romans. Now, please don't hear me as saying, don't send your kids to school. Public school is always wrong. That's not the point here. The point is, when your kids do go to an environment where they are going to be uh, discipled by the world, have they been discipled at home, and are they ready to engage with all the arguments against their faith that they're gonna encounter when they get there? Are they going to be ready to come up against the worldly ideologies and arguments that are gonna come up against them? And at the same time, while I'm not necessarily up here arguing that we need to just pull all of our children out of all public institutions, as a parent, I have begun to think very deeply about what it means to continue to send my daughter, my kids to environments where they're gonna constantly be infiltrated with things that are not of Christ. And how am I going to fight against that? What am I doing to make sure that they know and love Jesus? How am I being intentional in training them? We'll read the fuller context of this passage a little bit later, but in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, God is telling the people of Israel to train their children to know him, to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, these things you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. As a youth pastor, I often encountered parents who came to me asking me to be the primary influence in their children's lives. But that's not, that wasn't my role. That wasn't my calling. I saw their kids maybe an hour or two a week. They spent all week with them. They spent so much time in the home, eating meals together, doing life together, spending weekends together. What are you doing in those moments? 
Because my role as a parent is not just simply to get my kids to church so that they can learn the Bible and when we're home, I teach them how to be good citizens. My role as a parent is first and foremost to train them to know and love Jesus. Children are a gift from the Lord. So the word for train in this verse in Proverbs 22, six is actually the word for dedicate. So in other words, Solomon's saying, if you, if you dedicate them, if you, if you kind of leave them to their own way, this is where they're gonna end up. And so the alternative for us is not to dedicate them to their own way, but to dedicate them to the ways of the Lord. Because let's face the reality that our kids are not necessarily ours to begin with. They are God's children first and foremost. And he's given them to us as a gift to steward and to shepherd. Psalm 139 says, you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. That is true of every human being who has ever walked the earth, except for Adam and Eve, I guess. But he knitted us together in our mother's womb. And if that's true, if he made your children, if he put them together, they are his. Gifts given to us to steward for his glory, for his honor. They're not our chance to live vicariously through them and accomplish things that we never could accomplish in our lifetime. They're not hindrances to what we thought our life might be had a, had a child not come along. They're not trophies for us to show off when they accomplish great things. They are the Lord's gift given to us to intentionally train and steward. And so it has to be intentional. We have to train them. Now, I've already said this, but I wanna, I wanna go deeper on this thought of not just training them to be citizens in society, but pointing them, number two, pointing them to Christ. This is the goal. Not just to raise good kids, respectable kids. That's important. Let's do that but most important is to point them to Christ. That's why many translators use the phrase in this verse, train them up in the way they should go. So if you're not going to leave them to their own way, then what we should do is to train them in the way that they should go to point them towards Jesus. And yes, I said earlier, unsaved parents, non-Christian parents can raise children who are models in society, who do good things, who are good kids, but they cannot point their kids to Christ. They cannot do what we as parents have most importantly been charged with. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And let me put a quick note on that, by the way, for any of our teenagers or uh, kids in the room. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger is not your weapon to use against your parents. Like when your parents make you mad, you can't bring up Ephesians 6, 4 and tell them you made me mad and you're not supposed to do that. When they tell you to go to bed, that made you upset, I understand, but you are called to obey your parents. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Don't unnecessarily provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And we need both of those things. If we are going to point our kids to Christ, we need instruction and discipline. We need both of these things. And I wanna talk about both of them briefly this morning. First, let's talk about instruction. I said I would go back to Deuteronomy 6, so let's read the fuller context of what's being said in Deuteronomy 6. God said to the nation of Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. We know that though this comes from the Old Testament Deuteronomy, Jesus himself quoted this as being the greatest commandment to love God with everything that you are, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But that's not just a commandment for us to internalize and to, to try to live out in ourselves. 
That's a commandment that we are also in the very same breath told to give to our children, to point them towards Christ, to show them the Lord is one and we are to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Give them the gospel from day one. And you might be asking, okay, I understand this all sounds good. Point them to Jesus, give them the gospel, but I have a baby at home or I have a one-year-old or a toddler at home and they don't understand all these concepts. What am I supposed to do? What's my calling at this stage of my parenting? I had a friend who gave me a really helpful illustration on this and it stuck with me. And so I don't know if it'll be as helpful to you as it is to me, but I wanna share it. He said he views his, his role as a parent, especially when his kids are younger and giving them the gospel, giving them the things of the scripture as kind of like training wheels on a bicycle. When you, when you are learning to ride a bicycle, you don't have the ability to get on that bike and just ride it. And so we place training wheels on there so that you don't fall off, so that you have this guide to help you get to a place to where you actually can ride your bike one day. That's what we're called to do with our babies, with our children, to give them the language of the gospel. So let me share a little bit about how I try to do this at, in our house, is even with Lily, who's now three years old, from the time that she could talk, even before then, I would use the language of the Bible with her. When she did wrong, I'm not just saying you did something that was wrong, I'm telling her that's sin. And I'm telling her that's what Jesus came to do for us. He came to die for our sin. And so one of my proudest moments as a parent, which I'm not, this is not me trying to necessarily brag, but this is a moment that was so helpful for me as a parent to see how this applies. Because I looked at Lily one day and she said something to me that wasn't true. And I said, you know, that's sin. And she said, yeah, but Jesus came to die for our sin on the cross, which I thought is brilliant on her part um, to use the gospel as a weapon in her argument, right? Jesus forgives. So, um, but that's what this is supposed to do. She doesn't understand all the implications of that. She's really only just repeating what I've said to her. She doesn't know what that means yet, but one day she will. And she'll already have the language that she needs. She'll already know exactly what, what to say and what, what the scripture says about these things. Give them their training wheels Paul said this is what happened to Timothy. He's speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He said, as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood, and the word there is not just childhood, it's actually infancy, how from infancy you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy's mother and his grandmother, elsewhere Paul tells us, had been pouring the scriptures into him from infancy. And Paul says, even now, continue in those things. And so as you rock your children to sleep, as you sit at the dinner table, as you drive to school, as you go on vacation, as you take a walk, talk to them about the things of the gospel. Sing to them about Jesus. Even if you can't sing, it's okay. Teach them what it means to know Christ. Give them the training wheels of the gospel so that as they grow, they can begin to ride the bike on their own. Your call as a parent is not to change their behavior, but to bring them to Jesus who changes their hearts. Now, yes, early on, much of what we do as parents is about behavior correction because they don't grasp a lot of these things early on, and so we are disciplining just to teach them what proper behavior is. But your goal is not simply to teach them what's wrong and what's right. Your goal is to get them to Jesus so that they can have a heart change. And all along the way, not only is instruction necessary, so all along you're not just simply instructing them in the ways of the Lord, but you're also disciplining them. 
Proverbs 22:15 says, "Folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him." Discipline is not our weapon to make our children do what we want them to do. Discipline is a tool given to us by God, commanded to us as parents to use to point them in the way that they should go. Proverbs 3, Solomon says this, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. We get this from our heavenly father. The reason we discipline our children because we love them, the reason we do that is because that's what God does with us. God actually tells us, Hebrew, the author of Hebrews quotes this, this uh, Proverbs 3, and goes on to say that if you're not experiencing the Lord's discipline, it's probably evidence that you're not even his child in the first place because the Lord disciplines whom he loves. That's true for us as parents. We discipline our children because we love them. Or Solomon puts it even more bluntly in Proverbs 13. He says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, we don't have time necessarily to go into all the details of what Solomon always means by the rod. I do believe that there is an element of spanking involved here. We can talk about that another time maybe. But I believe it's more than that. This is not just a matter of just spanking our kids into obedience. This is a matter of discipline. This is a matter of wisely knowing what our children need, knowing their propensity towards sin and turning them back towards Christ. It wasn't until I became a parent that I began to understand the phrase, this will hurt me more than it hurts you. And not just, again, not even just in spankings, but in discipline in general, it is hard. It's hard to discipline your child especially when they're really cute and they look up at you and they've got those eyes. It's hard. You don't want to. It's not, it's not the easy thing to do. Solomon says, the parent that doesn't discipline their child hates their child. And I know we don't hate our children. I know that's not what we're trying to express. But this is necessary to raise kids to know and love Christ. Because here's the result of discipline, Hebrews Again, I told you, the author of Hebrews quotes that proverb in Proverbs 3. He goes on to say, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. It, it's supposed to. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So in that verse, we get the goal of discipline, righteousness. But we also get the result of faithful discipline, righteousness. That's what discipline is meant to do, not just to correct behavior, not just because we're annoyed with what's going on in our house, not just because we just want to be done with what's, what's happening, but because we love our kids enough to point them towards righteousness, to point them towards Christ. All discipline seems painful for the moment, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And that only comes through Christ, by the way. As we discipline our kids, we're not just taking on the role as parents and thinking it's our responsibility to change their hearts. As we discipline them, we pray for them. And we pray that God would use us as parents and the discipline and instruction that we're pouring into our lives to change their hearts, to save them, to make them more like himself. And you remind your children, here's an important point that I'm trying to learn that's hard, is to remind your children that they cannot obey perfectly. Remind them that they, they can't obey perfectly just like I cannot obey Christ perfectly. Just like I stumble and fall. When I fail, I try to admit my failures to my daughter. Remind them that we fail, and that's what grace is for. 
They cannot obey perfectly, but we are to point them to the one who obeyed perfectly on their behalf, Christ Jesus, the righteous, so that he can transform their hearts. And when we do these things, when we train them in the way that they should go, when we, when we recognize that we are to point them towards Christ, we get to the point of number three, our last point this morning, we get to watch the gospel work. Solomon says, if we leave them to their way, when they're old, they won't depart from it. Now, I wanna address this because this is where I think people get tripped up with this verse. They think, okay, train up, in a, child, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's older, he won't depart from it. That means that if I'm a good parent, I'm gonna have good kids. And if I'm not a good parent, then my kids are gonna wander away. But neither of those things are always true 100% of the time. Matter of fact, we need to recognize that the grace of Jesus, that Jesus is is able to save even the child who's raised in an ungodly home, even the child who's raised by parents who, uh, or, or not raised by parents who abandoned them. God is able to save them. And in the same vein, no matter how faithful we are as parents, there are times that our kids will wander from the truth. We don't have control over that. Solomon is not giving us a promise here, like train up a child in the way they should go and when they're older, they won't depart. He's giving us a principle. He's saying that our responsibility as parents is to guide them in the way that they should go, leave the results up to our sovereign Lord. Here's maybe what you need to hear this morning as parents. God does not hold us responsible for the results of our parenting, necessarily. He doesn't hold us responsible for the results of our parenting, but for the faithfulness of our parenting. Day in and day out, have we sought to train them up, to raise them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? And if we've done that, and sadly, they've still had times in their lives when they begin to wander from the truth, we don't control that. We are not in control of their hearts. We're in control of the discipline and admonition we give to them. And so this proverb is not meant to cast a burden on us that we were never meant to bear. It should instead cause us to run to the goodness and transforming power of the gospel. Here's some famous words from Jesus that I do think I wanna bring to bear on this conversation Matthew 11, he said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You say, what does that have to do with parenting? First of all, it is the call of Jesus to his children that he has called us to lay aside our sin, lay aside our burdens and come and find rest at his feet. And he doesn't give us rest from our sin only to burden us with his commands. He gives us rest from our sin and he also gives us rest in the midst of his commands that he's given to us. He tells us to train up our children, but he gives us rest. He reminds us that we are not in control of their destiny. We're not in control of what happens in their hearts. So leave that to him, to come to him and find rest for our souls because Parenting is labor. Parenting is work. And we can often be exhausted. And so first, it is the call of the gospel to find rest for our souls. But I also believe this is a call from Jesus to daily at his feet find rest in whatever it is we're doing. It's good news for our parenting because his burden is light. Here's what I know. Your parenting, my parenting, no matter how good or bad we think we are at it, it does not guarantee the trajectory of your children's lives. But we are called to faithfully steward these gifts that God has given to us. And for our children who come to know Christ, 
The promise is true for them, just as it is true for us. I use this verse often, Philippians 1.6. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Here's, I think, a good verse to pair with Proverbs 22.6. Because if you give your children the gospel and they come to know Jesus Christ, if they are truly his children, as they grow older, they will not depart from his ways because he who began that work in them will bring it to completion. They may have moments of wandering. They may have moments where they run away from these things, but if they are truly his children, if they are in Christ, he will finish the work he began in them. And that promise is also for us as parents because you're probably gonna end up feeling just as clueless on the last day of parenting as you were day one. You're probably gonna feel just as helpless on the last day of parenting as you were day one. But he began a work in you and he is making you and molding you into the image of his son and that includes your parenting. He's giving you everything you need to faithfully steward the gifts of these children that he's given to you. And finally, I wanna offer a word of encouragement to maybe, maybe you're in here and or watching online and you have older children who you did everything that you knew to do to faithfully point them towards Christ and maybe they're at a point in their lives when they are wandering from the truth. Maybe they're at a point in their lives when, when you're praying desperately for them day by day, wondering when God's gonna get a hold of them, wondering what you, feeling like you did something wrong to cause this to happen to them. Let me encourage you with the words of Jesus. John 6, 39. He said, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Here's something else I know. Jesus always saves his children. Jesus never, has never, and will never lose a single one of his sheep. And so if they are in Christ and they're having times of wandering away, walking away from the church, walking away, beginning to uh, look like they're going to deny the faith, if they are in Christ, they are his, and no one can snatch them out of his hand. Jesus doesn't lose any of his sheep. I know that to be true. And I'm not trying to give you some sort of guarantee that all of our children, all of our children will walk in the ways of the Lord all of the, the days of their lives if we would just apply these principles. I'm calling you to rest in the gospel, to watch the gospel work, to believe there's, there's not a single thing you or I can do as a parent to guarantee the outcome of their lives. But I know that God is the one who is in control. I know that he's the one who loves them far more than I ever could. And he's going to be faithful. And he will pursue his children. I wanna leave you with some words from Paul Tripp. Um, Paul Tripp is uh, one of my favorite authors on parenting. Matter of fact, he has a book that's simply titled Parenting that I always encourage people to pick up. Uh, Paul David Tripp book is called Parenting. And um, he has a quote in that book. It's a little bit longer, but it's so good because this is the hope that we have as parents. I wanna read it to us as we begin to wrap up this morning. He says, your hope as a parent is not found in your power, your wisdom, your character, your experience, or your success. Your hope as a parent is found in this one thing alone, the presence of your Lord, the creator, savior, Almighty, sovereign king is with you. Let your heart rest. You are not in this parenting drama alone. Your potential is greater than the size of your weakness, not because of you, but because the one who is without weakness is with you. 
And he does his best work through those who admit that they are weak, but in weakness still heed his call. One of your greatest works as a parent is to be on your knees before the Lord praying for your children. That's not just something that you check off the box. That's not just something that you do because we're supposed to pray for our kids. That is the work of parenting is to pray for your children. Be on your knees before the one who gives you rest for your soul, who reminds you that he's the one who does the work of transformation, and you leave it to him. He does his best work through those who admit that they are weak, but in weakness still heed his call. And to heed his call of parenting means to trust in his ways over your own. Because when I look out into our world, this is another topic where I see so many voices telling me what it looks like to be a good parent, what it means to raise our children, and to sift through all of that noise, what it means to trust in Jesus is to say, I'm going to believe your word. I'm gonna believe that my most important role as a parent is to pray for them, is to commit them to you, is to raise them, to train them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, even when it goes against my nature, even when it feels like this is hard. I'm gonna trust in your ways. To heed his call means resting in the gospel where there's grace for your failures as a parent and there's grace to, to sustain you. There is strength in your weakness in the gospel of Jesus. It means freedom to admit when you've been wrong, when you've been operating out of your own wisdom and strength and then it's freedom to rest in the wisdom and strength of Jesus. It means knowing that as much as you and I love our children, our heavenly father loves them more. And he is the one who is in charge of their souls. He is the one who's able to bring them from their wandering. He is the one who is able to transform their hearts. Would you bow your heads uh, and close your eyes with me as we, as we wrap up? <clears throat> and every week, my goal in this time is to get us to think about what we've heard and to think about what we need to do as a result of what we've heard today. Now, let me, let me first speak to the group of people in here who are maybe not parents, whether you're watching online or in the room and you say, man, I feel like this sermon wasn't necessarily for me. What I wanna say to you, and this is maybe off topic from the sermon, but what I wanna say to you is the same gospel that I have said is available for us as parents. That's the gospel that's available to you. It's the same call of Jesus who said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Same God who saves us from our weakness, gives us grace to walk in his righteousness. That's the call of the gospel. And as parents, this is the gospel that we run to that reminds us that I can never, I can never guarantee the outcome of my children's lives. I can never give them every single thing they're ever gonna need. I can never ensure their safety all the time. I can never ensure the outcome of their lives, but I can entrust them to the one who can. I can entrust them to the hands of my faithful, sovereign, almighty creator who knitted them together in their mother's womb, who loves them more than I ever could. Maybe you're in here as a parent and you are exhausted on this journey of parenting. I wanna remind you of the rest that comes from Jesus. I'm not necessarily talking about always getting a good night's sleep because I think those are few and far between as parents. I'm talking about rest for your soul that knows that no matter how many times I get up today and fail as a mother, as a father, 
that my trust is not in me as a parent. My trust is in the one who will never fail. My trust is in the one who will never leave or forsake. And he is strength for my weakness. And so I'll boast in my weaknesses because where I'm weak, he is strong. Would you pray with me? God, I I want to... uh, come before you this morning on behalf of everybody in this room and specifically right now for the parents in this room. At whatever stage of parenting they may find themselves in, whether it's just starting out and they've got a baby at home, maybe maybe there's parents in this room with grown children who are now having children of their own. I pray that we would continue to seek to watch your gospel work in our children's lives that we wouldn't give up. Even if there are those in here who have older children who are beginning to wander away from the truth, that they would know that that as long as they have breath in their lungs, that you are able to bring them back. God, that you do not lose a single one of your children. You don't lose a single one of your sheep. God, I pray for the parent who is in the hard stage, whatever that may be, whatever stage that may be, in a a difficult stage of parenting right now, feeling helpless, feeling clueless, feeling worn out, that you would pour your grace into their lives, that you would remind them that your mercies are new every single morning, that they would not be anxious for tomorrow, They they would leave tomorrow to worry about itself and that they would be faithful today in what's in front of them, that they would remember that they have mercy for today and they'll have mercy for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. May they remember that they are not in this alone, but you are with them, guiding them, giving them what they need, sustaining them, and that you are in charge. You are the one who is the author and perfecter of our souls and the souls of our children. Thank you for this time. I pray that as as parents, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we would encourage one another, that we wouldn't leave one another to be in this alone, but that we would come around one another and help each other, point one another towards Christ, remind one another of the goodness of the gospel in our parenting, and that we would honor you. And we pray for our children. I pray for the children of every single parent represented in this room, I don't know every situation, but you do. I don't know their hearts, but you do. I pray that you would work in their hearts. I pray that you would bring them to yourself. For the children that may not know you as Savior yet, that you would save them. God, that you would would show them the gospel and they would come to know you and they would walk in your ways. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. May you bless us as we leave today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.